Welcome to the Tap Into Safety podcast, where Dr. Suzanne Barn, CEO and co-founder, discusses the latest research, reports and interesting topics to help health and safety, human resource and training professionals in their efforts to keep every worker safe every day. Hi everyone, and thanks for joining me today. For decades now, we have understood the health impacts of noise and the long-term damage to our hearing. There's a requirement for workplaces to try to reduce noise levels to below 85 decibels if it occurs over an eight-hour period. And you're not to expose your employees to a noise level above 140 decibels. However, hearing damage is related to the intensity of the sound the nature of the sound, whether it's continuous or intermittent, and the duration of the noise exposure. So long-term exposure to low-level noise can also create permanent hearing loss. The Code of Practice, Managing Noise and Preventing Hearing Loss at Work, under the Australian Work Health and Safety legislation, defines hazardous noise about hearing loss as noise that exceeds the exposure standard for noise in the workplace. Now, between 28% and 32% of Australian workers are likely to work in an environment where they're exposed to non-trivial, that is, less than 84 decibels, generated during their work. So for this podcast, I summarise a chapter on occupational noise by the OHS Body of Knowledge, to provide the key concepts and advice to help you manage noise hazards in your workplace. I'll also provide a basic understanding of acoustics and the factors that impact hearing loss and health together with the principles of noise measurement and control. The first indication that noise may be hazardous to hearing is when a person has to raise their voice to talk to someone who's about an arm's length away in a noisy workplace. Now there's a simple test that you can do to assess the effects of occupational exposure to noise and its impact on your hearing. So the first thing you can do is drive to work and switch off the engine but not the ignition. Then switch on the car radio and reduce the volume so you can just hear it. Don't switch off the radio but switch off the ignition and go to work. And then after work Switch on the ignition and the radio should come on as well. If you can't hear what's being played on the radio, a temporary shift to your hearing ability has occurred during the workday. This change in your hearing ability may last from hours to days after the exposure. Generally, hearing recovers overnight, giving a false impression that all is well. However, the effects of regular exposures are cumulative as the hair cells in your inner ear are eventually destroyed. So how do you measure noise? A noise assessment can be carried out with a sound level meter and a noise dose meter. In recent years, noise dose badges have become available. A noise dose badge is a smaller version of the traditional noise dose meter with no cable between the meter and the microphone that can get in the way of the work. A sound level meter is usually handheld and therefore the assessor is present as the measurements are made. And this has the advantage that the assessor can observe firsthand what is being measured. 
A noise dose meter is designed to be worn on a person for a period of time while that person carries out their work. Exposure to long-term noise can lead to noise-related stress. Noise-related stress factors include stress, irritability, headaches, moodiness and insomnia, disturbance of psychomotor reactions, loss of concentration and speech interference. Health-related effects include reduced productivity, reduced quality of work or service, and increased absenteeism. All of these affect the productivity of your workforce. The next step is working out how best to control noise hazards. Where these noise sources have been identified, the next step is to prioritise noise control by determining the duration of use of each machine or item of equipment during a typical shift and the time the operator spends using them or working near them. For example, a machine or piece of equipment with high noise level but with short usage per shift may well have a lower priority for noise reduction than a machine or piece of equipment with a lower noise level but long usage per shift. For example, a milling machine operated for 6 hours per day at 88 decibels at the operator's ears needs more urgent noise reduction than an auger operating for 15 minutes per day at 94 decibels. The Australian Work Health and Safety legislation requires that workplaces follow the hierarchy of controls. Workplaces cannot automatically rely on the use of hearing protectors or other forms of personal protective equipment where it is reasonable and practicable to use higher order controls to control noise hazards. However, the provision of hearing protection is the most common method organisation used to prevent hearing loss. Workplace noise that exceeds the exposure standard must, as far as reasonably practicable, be reduced to non-hazardous exposure levels where you eliminate the hazard. One way of doing this is by no longer carrying out the work that creates the noise. Where this is not practicable, you should substitute the activity or process by changing the noisy components for quieter ones. For example, instead of hammering a piece of metal to bend it, the metal could be heated and then bent with plies or a press. Workplace noise can also be minimised through design by replacing old plant and equipment with new, quieter plant and equipment. If you can't eliminate the hazard, or substitute the task with a less noisy one, then engineering controls may help. Engineering noise controls modify the noise source itself or through enclosures that may be made from a solid material and lined internally with a sound absorbent lining. You might also add silencers or mufflers to existing noise sources or place barriers in the noise path or enclose the receiver end by creating a control room. Generally, engineering noise control is the most effective way of controlling noise, but it may sometimes be cost prohibitive. Some practical examples of engineering noise control include mounting vibrating sources within machines on isolators or dampeners, or replacing metal components with quieter materials such as plastic nylon or compound components. You can also install local enclosures around particular noisy machine components and you can add sound absorbent materials. 
You can provide air and gas exhaust with silencers. And you can also change to a quieter type of fan, fan blade pitch, or the number of blades, or fitting sound attenuators in ventilation ducts. Now the two lower level control measures in the hierarchy of controls are using administrative controls and PPE. Administrative noise control measures aim to reduce the amount of noise you expose your employees to via organisational methods, for example, delineating hearing protection areas, noise mapping to identify safe and unsafe noise areas, rescheduling workers' duties to limit exposure times, and optimising maintenance. Looking at PPE, hearing protectors should be worn where hazardous noise levels exist in the workplace that cannot be reduced by higher order controls. And there are three types of hearing protectors. The first one is disposable or individually moulded earplugs. You also have ear canal caps, and you have passive or active earmuffs. Passive earmuffs are the conventional type, while electronically active noise level dependent earmuffs allow noise up to 82 decibels to enter the ear, after which an electronic system shuts the reception down and they act like passive earmuffs. Noise cancelling earmuffs reduce low frequency noise by monitoring the noise environment outside the earmuff. The ideal in-ear noise level under the protector should fall between 75 and 80 decibels to reduce workplace noise to safe levels while enabling hearing and communication without overprotection and the temptation for your employees to remove the protector in noisy environments. Now many people hold the common misconception that hearing protectors control noise. Hearing protectors do not control workplace noise as the noise in the workplace is still there. But the wearing of a hearing protector reduces the in-ear noise level. However, exposure is not reduced by the wearing of personal hearing protectors. When your organisation needs to provide hearing protection, selection and management should be done by a suitably qualified person. You need to train how to correctly fit and wear it. Your procedures should insist that your employees fit the hearing protectors before entering the noisy work area. You need to ensure regular cleaning, maintenance and secure storage. And you also need to mark the areas where hearing protection is required. You should always keep appropriate documentation and you need to regularly monitor the effectiveness of the hearing protection use. All organisations have a duty to protect their employees' hearing. Long-term hearing loss is classified as one of the eight priority diseases in Australian workplaces. You're encouraged to use the safety hierarchy of controls to eliminate noise hazards, using the highest level of control as far as reasonably practicable. Where it's not practicable, you should substitute the activity or process by changing the noisy components for quieter ones. Workplace noise can also be minimised through design by replacing old plant and equipment with new quieter plant and equipment. And engineering controls can modify the noise source itself or through enclosures, silences or mufflers. 
Lower order controls such as administrative noise control measures delineate hearing protection areas, identify safe and unsafe noise areas, reschedule workers' duties to limit exposure times and optimise maintenance. And finally, hearing protective PPE should be worn where hazardous noise levels exist in the workplace that cannot be reduced by higher order controls. However, hearing protectors do not control workplace noise as the noise in the workplace is still there, but the wearing of a hearing protector reduces the in-ear noise level. Damage to hearing and exposure to noise cannot be undone or repaired. It is therefore imperative that your employees wear their hearing protective PPE at all times in noisy areas and you do what is practicable to reduce noise hazards. You have been listening to Dr. Suzanne Barn, CEO and co-founder of Tap Into Safety. If you would like to read more about this topic and other related topics, or to contact them for more information, please visit their website at www.tapintosafety.com.au. If you'd like to hear more of these podcasts, search for Tap Into Safety on iTunes or your favourite podcast provider. Until the next time, we hope you keep safe and well.